Hey, so right before we start this episode today, we wanted to take a moment of silence to honor the life of Nali Agustin. She was a soul that impacted so many people worldwide, especially some of the guests that we will have in the next few weeks. So us at Umami Conversation want to take a minute to celebrate the life of Nali Agustin, celebrating the impact, celebrating her story. Let's take a minute. conversation, we would like to acknowledge with respect the unceded territory of the Algonquin Anishinaabeg and Kanihuahua or Mohawk peoples on whose land we are recording today. Miigwech. Also, don't forget to follow us on social media, Facebook and Instagram. It is Umami Conversations, one word, and on Twitter under Umami underscore Convos with an S at the end. Enjoy this episode. Be blessed. I'm a big deal. And my friends, them a big deal too. I think that's what he says. Yeah, we're kind of important for real. <laughs> Listen, we are a big deal, okay? And our friends are big deals because I have my sweet soul sister with me here. The beautiful Chelsea. Hey, big deal friend. <laughs> uh, thank you, big deal woman, for having yes. me on the platform. Yes, yes, yes. I'm so grateful. Like we tried doing this since like I think last year, but this is this is the time, this is the moment. And we're going to get right into it. If this is your first time tuning in to the Umami Conversation podcast, we say welcome. You know, the goal of this podcast is a platform where we have unapologetic conversations that promotes healing in our generation. One of our main goals is to educate, to elevate, and to empower and remind millennials that they are not alone in their experiences. So you will find various topics um, on this podcast, but topics that will fill your soul mm, that's shame that's that's the goal today we have as i said a beautiful queen chelsea with us you know chelsea is a firebomb but she does not burn you the type of fire that chelsea brings is a soothing type of fire Mm. and like the whole week i've been so excited to have this convo with you but before we dive into convos and start like triggering people (laughs) 
<laughs> Trigger warning. <laughs> Trigger warning, literally. Um, can you just share a little bit about who you are, um, what you're about, where you're from? Let let the world know. Um, okay, so what am I about? Um, I'm about offering space for people to expand in their healing journey, specifically through getting to know themselves. Um, and what I mean by getting to know oneself is to really understand the roots and traditions that have um, created who you are, the DNA that was you know, magically blended within your mother's womb to essentially allow you to walk this earth divinely. So finding finding that power that lies within and um, guiding you to unlocking it and guiding myself mm. to unlocking it, um, allowing others to witness my healing journey and inspire their own. Um, a lot of what I do, I feel is collaborative, even though, you know, you're booking a session with me. Mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily someone who has a philosophy like I'm a teacher, listen to me and your life will get better. Mm. Um, I'm more a guide that will open energy channels for flow, for Mm. um, life to really speak through you. So Mm. a lot of what I do is with my hands. Mm. Um, Abhyanga, which is uh, Ayurvedic ritual. It's meant to um, move the move the um, flow within the body. So that includes blood circulation, that includes creativity, um, that includes life, bringing vitality back into the body. Mm. Um, So it's a practice that can be done daily um, for yourself, with yourself, a self-massage. So I guide people on their journeys to connecting or reconnecting with their bodies. You know, I'm someone who's very open about my own experiences of trauma, Um, very open and vulnerable when it comes to um, sharing my past and sharing my current healing. And so there's a lot of space that I have for holding other people in their triggers and their traumas as well. I love that. I love that. Wow. Yo, I just feel like snapping my fingers for you, girlfriend. Thank you. Um, Yeah, so massage is part of it. And, you know, massage is, I don't only guide self-massage. I also provide massages for both adults and babies. So speaking of babies, a lot of my journey actually started with my work as an infant massage instructor. Interesting. Yeah. And so basically, I was doing a lot of workshops with moms and babies, really getting to understand attachment and bonding and and healing between that dynamic and seeing, you know, being witness of the awkward moments, um, being witness of parents just not really being natural at, um, at providing feedback to their babies, to their babies. And so um, from there, I chose to um, go into research and do my master's in touch and attachment and really look at what's going on there when we when we touch our skin, when we touch someone else's skin, what's the message that's being delivered um, 
through that research, of course, I also looked at, you know, what happens when your boundaries have been violated in terms of touch. And what does it look like, for example, for a mother who's been sexually abused Mm -hmm. to now bathe their baby? Yeah, yeah. And so unpacking all of that, that's some led heavy to stuff, a lot though. of it is it is and that's why i think i meant to do this work because i have that capacity to hold mm-hmm. that really heavy space wow my girl yeah but i i know you have a you got a whole like your background your level of education not only like education school-wise but just spiritually and the space that you hold for men and women is it men and women or mostly mm-hmm. women no for it's men, men and, and women, women. Yep. awesome it's really really amazing and i actually had an experience with you i don't know if i shared the full experience i don't remember if i did uh we actually met during a retreat for the first time, um, a woman's retreat that I, I've spoken about in my last episode, last season's episode. And um, I, we did have a moment with you where you were showing us your practice, you know, of touching and healing ourselves. And I remember that I you you showed us this technique with our um our hands on our head and while i was doing it my head started to hurt like a lot <laughs> okay i had like a severe headache and the thing is i had a hat on my no actually on that day uh, that time because i needed to yeah i took my hat off so i went out i I reached out to you and i was like yo my head started to hurt when we did this and um you were like oh, okay and you told me okay maybe because there's a lot going on in your mind it's like something's wrong upstairs you know <laughs> so i was like okay so you started to do the massage on my head and after you did the massage i don't know if i shared this with you we went in the car to go back to our cabin and in the car, Chelsea, I was crying internally. Literally, I wanted to scream. So like everybody around me was like, yo, Emma, you're okay? You're okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm good. But like inside of me, there was something happening that I had no idea what in the world it was. And I was also scared to share, <laughs> you know? So that's why I'm like, I don't recall. I don't know if I share that part with you, but it really made me see that, damn, this girl's powerful. Not only is she powerful, but indeed, like, I, I, I do have issues. And I did have issues concerning mental health, you know? And that whole two nights there was just so magical. Um, but that was also, for me, the start of believing in these practices, Mm-hmm. Um, believing in other things than going to the doctor, mm-hmm. you know, believing in other things than taking medication, believing in other things than just praying and waiting for a miracle to happen. Right. With that said, <laughs> Chelsea, the, the main practice is Ayurveda. Yes. So what is Ayurveda? Where does it originate from? And basically just a little bit of background story on, on this practice and how you got in alignment with so, yeah, let me clarify. Um, Ayurveda is not a practice itself. Okay. Okay. It's more of a philosophy. It's more uh, okay. of um, a system of holistic medicine that sees the body um, from the inside out. So, um, a lot of the time when Ayurvedic practitioners are doing specific treatments or practices, um, we're looking at what we call the digestive fire. And what's happening in that digestive fire? Is it high? Is it low? Um, So your digestive fire can be 
imbalanced by many things. Um, your diet, your thoughts. Um, so really, it's it's about consumption, right? Um, that's that's the way I've always seen it. So. What are you consuming energetically, emotionally, physically, um, esoterically? And so what Ayurveda aims to look at is um, how can we change or how can we um, offer alternatives to this consumption to bring the body back into balance? So we're really working on playing with different systems almost like human design, you know? Mm. So we're looking at what, what, what are you thinking? What, what, what are you, how can I say this? You know, how does your brain work? What, what, Mm. what works for you? What doesn't work for you? And um, it's, it's, you know, founded in the assumption that every person is unique and every person is going to need something different. Um, Whereas, for example, Western medicine, it's very generalized. We yeah. do, you know, large population studies, and then we decide, okay, the best medicine for headaches is is paracetamol, right? Um, whereas in Ayurveda, if you have a headache, we're not going to get one medicine. Um, instead, we're going to do a full system assessment of what are you eating? How are you sleeping? Um, what elements are you made out of from base? Okay. So essentially, we believe that everyone is born with a certain amount of elements. And mm. these elements are, are what makes life. Mm. And when you talk about thing, element, sorry for cutting you. When you talk about yeah. elements, could you go in a bit more details? Because there might be some people that are not sure what you mean by element. Of course. So the elements that I'm talking about um, that pertain to Ayurveda is um, air. Mm. And so while I talk about the elements, I'll also give you an example of how that functions in our body. Okay. So air, for example, is the, the flow um, of our body. So mm-hmm. our blood flow, the way things circulate, um, also our mind flow, the way we think. So someone who has um, naturally a large amount of air is, okay. is going to be a bit of an overthinker because their mind is already like curated in some sort of way based on these elements for a lot of flow because it's air right so it just flows anywhere anyhow okay exactly um when when it's in when it's in balance someone can feel very creative when it's out of balance someone can feel very anxious Mm. okay and then right and then there is ether and ether is essentially gas And um, it exists, it can be created within us, right? Um, Things that make us bloated, things like that. We are made up of gas as well. And then there's also um, everything that's right around us, which is also like our aura, right? Then we've got earth. And so earth, when we look at the body, earth really looks like our bones, the the heaviness, the groundedness of us. Then there's water. Water looks like the juices, the acid, the, the liquids that make up what we are. And so when, 
For example, when, when the water stops, we feel stagnant. And so that's not just stagnation in our body, that's stagnation in our mind, right? And then the last one is fire. And so fire is our digestive system. Mm. It's, uh, it's really the fire that allows us to process and eliminate waste, again, with, with our body, but also with our mind. So those elements that you're stating, is it the same, is it the same elements with um, like those zodiac signs? Does it come in line with that? Like for instance, I'm a Sagittarius. Um, my element is fire. Um, no, okay. <laughs> no. Um, so astrology is part of Ayurveda. That's, that's um, a huge part of it actually. Um, okay. So the way it comes together though is, um, Actually, that's complex. But yes, astrology okay, let's, is a let's part not of go there, then. Let's... And what I will say is that most of what we know about astrology is Western astrology. Right, so right. Ayurveda is Vedic astrology. And if you ever yes. look up your Vedic chart, it will be very different. It's totally different. Yeah. 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 I remember you shared that with me and I checked and I was like, I don't remember what sign. Ugh, I couldn't remember. It was like a Virgo, like some, uh, what some sign. sign. And I was like, "How?" <laughs> but I'm a Sagittarius. You're a Sag, so you'd probably be. I was a Scorpio. Uh, Scorpio. I think. Yeah, yeah, I think I was a Scorpio. So it's just one. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. it's the Vedic uh, system. Usually, you just move one zodiac sign down, up, or down um, above, like before. Above. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> yes. um, okay. <laughs> so, so I'll complete sort of the idea of the elements. So these are the five elements that make up every single living thing on earth. Um, even things that we don't see as living like this table. This table has um, amounts of those elements. Humans have all five. And then things like a table might only have two or three. Mm. Right. Um, and so when we talk about these five elements, they come together to make something called doshas. Mm. And there are three doshas. Okay. And all of us exist within three doshas. But the amount of each dosha that we have is unique to us all. And so the doshas, would you like me to explain so the doshas? Questions. Like, li I have so many questions. Oh my goodness, Chelsea. <laughs> okay, let me start by just explaining the makeup of the yeah. doshas, okay? Go ahead, go ahead. So basically the doshas are the five elements that I mentioned um, combined together. Okay. So there's vata. Vata is air and ether. And then... Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll also give you an example of what that looks like, like for a person, okay. um, so that it's a bit more expanded from there. So if you're somebody who has high vata dosha, that means you've got a lot of air naturally in your body. So you're most likely going to be someone who's on the thinner side, um, someone who's very flighty. Um, you know, they, they are not really great at making choices. Um, they might have an anxious mind in terms of digestion. 
might be someone who's suffering from bloating. Um, these are consequences of being out of balance. When in balance, they've got a very strong flow of creativity, of digestion. They don't put on weight easily. Um, their, their mind is active. They're active. There's a lot of vitality in this um, dosha. For uh, kapha prominent dosha, mm -hmm. that's water and earth. Okay. So if you imagine water and earth together. It's mud. <laughs> it's mud, right? It's so heavy. If you, yeah, it's heavy. If you don't find that right balance to keep that earth nice and, and aerated, right? Mm -hmm. You don't need too much water. You don't need too much heaviness. Mm -hmm. So someone who has prominent kapha, they can tend to be a bit on the heavier side. Mm -hmm. um, they're a bit more moist in general. So maybe mm -hmm. oilier hair, um, mm -hmm. oilier skin, thicker mm -hmm. hair, thicker skin, right? Okay. Um, and, and in terms of mental capacities, they can feel apathy or stagnation when out of balance. When mm -hmm. in balance, kapha, they say, are like the most ideal um, doshas. Uh, to to be okay. around because they're very calm, they're very stable, very grounded people that have the capacity to hold a lot of love. Wow! And I think I'm a kapha. I, 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 I you, feel like you I'm, are. I'm I'm yeah, kapha eh? Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and when when in balance, their skin and hair is typically flawless. Like they're the type wow. of they're the type of people that we look at and they're like. Where'd you get that baby smooth skin? You know, pe oh people God. born with that I'm getting smooth there. skin. That's when you're in balance. And and sometimes we just we come out of balance. And then Ayurveda That's... is there oh to God. work with all these elements. So then the last one is Pitta. Oh my God. I didn't know it was going to blow my mind like this, but okay. You keep going. You keep yes, going. It's fascinating. So um, the last one is Pitta, which is a um, combination of fire and water. And uh, the way I like to describe this is almost like a pot of water over a stove. So you need to find that balance to keep things on a really nice medium boil, a nice maybe simmer, really depending where you're at in life. If you need that fire, if you need to reduce it a bit. Um, so out of balance, fire is fire right it can it can feel like a rage it can feel like pain um, it can feel really dry hot so people will tend to break out in rashes um, maybe get constipated because things are so dry someone who is naturally prone to um, anger rather than for example vata is very prone prone to sadness and so uh, pitta imbalance is a very athletic sort of go-getting personality, very quick-witted, um, very sharp, intellectual. They can make decisions um, that are quite point on. Um, yeah, they've got naturally athletic type of body. Um, they, they don't have to work too hard to digest. Um, including thoughts. When pitta is in balance, they're very sharp. When out of balance, um, they're very distracted by by their pain, by their anger. You know what? You literally just described. I'm not. I'm gonna put it out there. You literally just described me and my three sisters. 
I, I'm t- like, that's us three. So here's what's interesting, right? So people, especially recently, um, dosha has become a word that's really trending. And so I'll give this um, sort of little intro. And right away, you can tell, you know, you can tell a little bit of who's who in your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yet it's important to remember we all exist in all three. We all need air for our blood to circulate. We all need um, water for um, our bodies to be able to be nice and, 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 you know, uh, well oiled. I mean, we're made, (laughs) we're we're made out of like, we're we're made out of water most, right? We're like 70 something percent of water. So yeah. So I mean, technically, yes, yes. So it's important to remember that, um, you know, in a way we're always all working together. I need a little bit okay. of your water and you need a little bit of my air mm, and mm. on a human relationship level. Yes. That's how I see it. Yes. Um, yes. And to not get too caught up in what your prominent dosha is and rather to find the balance between, between the three and find the balance that works for you. Um, and I say the same thing when people talk about astrology, not to get too attached to your zodiac sign. Because there yeah. are like so many different systems of reading astrology. There are. You're, you're everything all the time. Yeah. And so yeah. all of these things are there to help guide you on your journey to, to help. Your higher self. Right. Yeah. And essentially, that's it. Your higher self, your, your higher science. Right. So with this Ayurveda philosophy, um, there are various practices that you utilize. You you're, you spoke about dosha. Um, I know that you initially also spoke about you do a massage. What else in in the um, in your Ayurveda philosophy that you you utilize to help your customers and or your clients or mm-hmm. your um, so all the Ayurvedic practices that um, I guide with other people are all things that I've practiced myself over the last decade and I've shared and then people are like can you show me um, some tips on how to do it and then that evolved into would you be willing to like massage me or or through experiences like yourself right massaging your head because it was hurting and then finding Emma felt that my touch was very powerful and so, of course, the first thing that I started sharing from my own practice was Abhyanga. Okay. And so that was self-massage, like I mentioned. So just to give you a little background on Abhyanga, in Sanskrit, the actual meaning of this word, it's broken down into two things. So there's Ab, which means to follow, and then Angam, which means um, to follow the body, which means body. So Abhyanga actually means to follow the body. Um, and so this is, this is a practice that spoke to me right away. And it can also be um, used as a treatment. So you can do it by yourself. Um, and you can also do treatments with others. So um, it's really listening to the body, tapping into um, you know, what needs to circulate where. And so from there, I started getting into something called marma therapy. And marma points essentially are like considered like secret channels 
that can activate self-healing. And um, in, they're also used in TCM, right? Traditional Chinese medicine. Okay. Um, very, it, it's incredible how similar these two systems are, Ayurveda and TCM, by the way. Um, so they're small channels that when pressed can activate self-healing. And so everything I'm about is activating self-healing, self-healing. for myself. So then that's why it's my pr- first priority with my clients mm. as well. Okay, so let me let me move to the next practice that I also guide, which is pranayama. Mm-hmm. And so pranayama is um, a variant of deep breathing techniques that once again help to balance um, all of the elements that we're working with. Do you provide your clients like the prescription that they need or are they the ones that reach out to you and tell you this is what I'm looking to get? It's a mix of both. Okay. Yeah. It's a mix of both. And I always try to do like at least a mini consultation before we do a session together because this work is new to people and um, it's not a typical massage. It's not a full body massage. I had one client that was like, should I take my shirt off? And I was like, no, you don't need to take your shirt off. And he was like, well, can I, I'll just take it off anyways. And I was like, okay. (laughs) And I think he was genuinely disappointed that I did not massage his body. His body. Right. Mm. And so what you do, is it similar to Reiki? So I do Reiki. Reiki, Is that how we say it? Reiki? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, It's similar, and that's why it's also part of my practice. Yeah, so Reiki is Japanese practice, and it is something that I integrate into every session as well. And I think the way that it comes together is through the chakra system, right? So they're vital energy points. Yeah, Reiki is basically provided by somebody who has been initiated to be able to transfer energy. Yo, I think each practice that you um, do or utilize in your um, Ayurvedic philosophy, we could have a friggin' episode on each one, okay? Yeah, <laughs> Like, it is so informative. Um, and I think, as you said, it is new to a lot of people. However, because we're just so used to the traditional way of healing, right? And not looking at the holistic way. I think now it's a little bit more, it's it's a little bit more accessible to people and people a little bit more open also to receiving um, holistic healing. I want to find out. Um, so you're, okay. So you're, you're South Asian, right? Yes. Well, half South Asian, half Caribbean, yes. right? And Let's say being South Asian, there's, and and this is a practice that is from home. It is your home practice. Um, You know, you've probably grew up with it, got more knowledge about it. But there's other people that are not South Asian. Do do you Um, feel like, yeah, people are um, appropriating the the culture or the philosophy of Ayurveda? So it's so interesting because... Yes, Ayurveda is um, a South Asian philosophy, is a South Asian um, you know, system of medicine. And yet it was, it, it's not something that was explicitly taught to me. It was something that just existed 
And I didn't know it was Ayurveda until, until I went to India. Mm. And I discovered a lot of the practices that were being done at the Ayurvedic clinics were things that my mother naturally taught me to do. Mm. So, for example, massage is very big in our community. Um, and my mother is Indo-Caribbean. So a lot of these South Asian practices that ended up being part of my daily routines were actually taught to me by my Indo-Caribbean mother, which is, is so complex and fascinating because as an Indo-Caribbean, I've always, you know, identified a bit more as an Indo-Caribbean woman because my father, who is Sri Lankan, identifies as an Indo-Caribbean a lot of the time. Mm, <laughs> so, okay. you know, he just, he just mashed up that culture. Mm-hmm. And so I'm the remix. <laughs> but, but I think, I think you guys are, are, it's, it's your, your ancestors, right? Um, it's the ancestors that, that exactly. were, were brought. So it exactly. makes sense. So, it, it makes sense that maybe yeah. your dad would be like, yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's remix yeah. this shit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and so I just had this calling to search for my roots and to know more. And so I traveled across South Asia learning more. Um, I, I got more into the culture as well at some point. And um, it had its, its pros and cons, as I think every healing journey does. Um, but it expanded this knowledge that came from my mother's family that was no longer attached to being like Indian. Mm. Right. That was just like what Trinis did. Mm. Um, but without realizing it was unique to Indo-Caribbeans and it was something passed on through my from generation Hindu grandmothers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So a lot of it was also intertwined in the Hindu culture which my grandfather um, decided to take us out of. Interesting. And so I was not exposed to any of this, but my mother just had it in her. In her. And I was curious about what we had in us, you know? Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. it was really just through exploration and, you know, unpacking things. I remember when I was doing my certificate for infant massage. Mm Mm-hmm. There was this routine of stretches that was that were taught, and I was mm-hmm. like, "Are you serious? Wow, these are this is the exact, exact, exact stretch routine that my mother taught me to do with with other children and i wow. i was I used to be um a preschool educator, and I worked in the infant room a lot. and I would do these stretches with all the babies there, and you'd have educators be like. What Why are you, doing? are you stretching the baby like that? And I'm like, I don't know. My mom said that's good, <laughs> you know? And I'm paying a, a white organization to teach me mm-hmm. how to do something. And I just remember... What is already well, embedded inside of you. Yeah, I remember calling my mom and being like, this, this massage you've been doing to us, it's a thing. It's like straight up like a thing people are teaching people out there. And Yo, my Chelsea, mom you're started, talking and I have like friggin' goosebumps, okay? Me too. Why did I just get goosebumps? <laughs> I'm talking about myself and I just got goosebumps. Yo. So yeah. Okay. And um, she told me, she's like, I don't know. I learned it from 
my grandma, my great grandmother, who was a Hindu priestess. Yeah, and I want. So, I really feel like asking you why did your grandfather pull you um, guys away from the Hindu culture, but we're not going to go there unless you want to tell us a little bit. I mean, it's it's interesting, right? Like my grandfather grew up in the cane fields. Um, Thank you so much for tuning in today's episode. We hope that you really enjoyed this conversation. Please don't forget to subscribe to us, follow us, leave your reviews and your comments, download your favorite episode. This helps Umami Conversation have more visibilities to other listeners out there that we might not be able to reach. You are the one that can help us reach them. So with your effort and our effort, we believe that Umami Conversation is going to be one of the top podcasts in the world. So until very, very soon, actually until our next episode, next Thursday, stay blessed, stay Gucci, and please keep putting a smile on your face.